We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into the Rotowire Fantasy Basketball Podcast. It is Monday, October 9th. Nick Whalen, thrilled to be back with my guy, Alex Barutha. Uh, Alex, you and I have both done so many podcasts, radio shows uh, throughout our just illustrious, storied Rotowire careers. I, I think I've talked to you the most uh, out, out of anybody that we've potted with over the years for any sport. Uh, but we were just saying off air, you know, it's been a while. You know, we we, we kind of uh, took a, take a lot of summer off uh, as far as our, our NBA coverage goes. Uh, after the NBA Finals, and now we are in that full ramp-up period uh, ahead of fantasy basketball draft season. You were out on a much-deserved vacation last week. Uh, I've been doing a lot of football stuff, but I'm thrilled to be back with you, as I will be every Monday going forward uh, as part of our new lineup. we got five episodes of this very podcast coming to you each week. Very much looking forward to hosting with you, man, and very much looking forward to recapping NBA preseason. You know, I, was, I was locked in on football yesterday, and all of a sudden, I'm, I'm getting alerts about Bradley Beal. I'm getting alerts about Marion Bochamp. Like, we, we are back. We are back. Um, yeah, I was I was staying at my parents the other night, and I, you know, I was like, "Hey, the Bucks preseason's on tomorrow." And then, I'll, I'll, of course, you get the you get the notification. Giannis and Dame aren't playing. It's like, oh, okay. I guess I'll get to watch uh, <laughs> get to watch a lot of like Ty Ty Washington. But it's still uh, the preseason games have been fun. They're always they're always fun. They really are. And actually, I'll say this. They're actually not that fun, but I, I talk myself into getting really excited for them no matter what. I do the same thing for NFL preseason. And, you know, within like one series, any player that matters is out of the game. And often that's the case in the NBA as well. Uh, you know, I was, I was checking in on like Suns Pistons yesterday. Saw most of the Suns, uh, you know, big name guys uh, for like the first quarter. That was about it. Like I, I will not I will not say that I sat through an entire 48 minutes or I guess it was 53 minutes in this case. Uh, of Suns Pistons, but we had a, a bunch of games on the slate yesterday, uh, but we had a couple games on Saturday as well. A few more coming at us tonight. Uh, it, it's always a little bit dicey, as you alluded to, trying to glean any real fantasy takeaways from the preseason, because more often than not, it, you know, you're going to see limited, if any action from guys like Giannis and Damian Lillard. But um, if nothing else, it's our first look at, at Christophe Porzingis in a Celtics jersey, for example. Uh, and he looked fantastic. Let, let's start there. We'll go Sixers Celtics. Uh, we won't go you know, super deep on all these games, but we'll try to give a few preseason takeaways. And then we'll talk about uh, some ADP differences uh, for an article that Alex is working on. But I, I thought Porzingis looked about as good as he possibly could have 
Uh, played 25 minutes, you know, 17 and five, hit a couple of threes, uh, looked really comfortable, worked his way to the free throw line eight times. I personally remain skeptical of, of drafting Porzingis in season long fantasy leagues just because he has been overwhelmingly a 45 to 55 game player throughout his career. Uh, you know, I, I think the trend that we saw last year of that somewhat reversing, it could be wishful thinking, but uh, man, I mean, last night was a reminder of just how talented he is. Chris Stapps, he's very good. I think you and I were doing our All-NBA pod last year, and we were like, is Porzingis in contention for the forward spot here? Um, Numbers-wise, he could have been. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the Wizards were horrible, so that that pretty much <laughs> dropped my contention. But, yeah, I mean, his ADP on a lot of sites is like 40-ish. That's not really where I want to draft him because that's about where he ranked when he was the number two option in Dallas. And it's like, well, now he's the number three option at best. So plus the injury issues, right? So it's like a lot of that. I'd, I'd like him in the 55 plus range. Now, if you're in a two center league, like on Yahoo and he qualifies there, it's a little bit different. But yeah, he he looks great. I think he's going to be productive with the Celtics. It's just not someone I want to draft in like the fourth round. Yeah, and you got to pay up in, in certain leagues, right? And you know, we have, we have a great ADP page on Rotowire that that shows you where everybody's going on all the main sites. And you know, Porzingis is one of those players that has a decent amount of variance. I, I'm actually surprised he's going he's going quite a bit later in best ball leagues. Like underdog, his ADP is close to 59 overall. Uh, you know, composite comes in around 51. Like I'm happy to take Porzingis in the 50s, especially the upper 50s. Uh, you know, at that point, to me, the the risk is is worth the potential reward, but. Uh, you know, I, I, you, know, you got to keep in mind that he is at best, you know, the third option on the Celtics team and probably the fourth option uh, on a lot of nights. And then, of course, you worry about the games played. But nonetheless, uh, off to a good start. You, know, you and I have not really been able to chat too much one on one about where where Boston and Milwaukee, you know, kind of kind of check in in your hierarchy right now. You know, to me, they're they're kind of on their own tier in the Eastern Conference. Uh, but but the the big worry for me with Boston is is the health of Porzingis. And at least for now, we'll see if they if they make any changes to this roster, um, you know, likely by the trade deadline. Like if, if Porzingis goes down, you're all of a sudden relying way too much on Al Horford, who they might be relying on too much anyway. Uh, yes, they, they definitely might be relying on Al Horford a little too much, who is, I think, almost guaranteed to sit out all, you know, one half of back-to-backs again. So you're already dealing with that. You lose mm -hmm. the center depth. Uh, trading Rob Williams away, although you do that trade 100 times out of 100. I'm not, I'm not yep. too worried about that necessarily. Um, yeah, I mean, it's if you're talking, you know, regular season win totals, my concern is almost always depth. I think a lot more about depth for that because every team's going to suffer injuries. How well can you bounce back from that is huge. But if you're talking championship upside, it's more about top talent, right? So mm -hmm. if you're asking me, like, how do I think the Celtics fare in terms of winning a title versus their over under on wins, I would rather bet them to win the title. But I, you're completely right. I mean, it's just like in the East, it's Boston, Milwaukee, um, and then everybody else. Celtics win total 55 and a half at DraftKings, 54 and a half at FanDuel. Uh, I'll be talking with Brandon Kravitz on Wednesday. We're each going to give our three favorite win total bets, whether those are overs or unders. But yeah, it's it. I, I don't love that it's become you know the, the narrative that it is, but betting overs on good teams in the NBA is just something I don't really want to do anymore. You know, the, the Celtics, the Bucks, uh, the Suns, the Lakers, the Warriors, like these are, these are all teams that are, I wouldn't say disincentivized to win in the regular season, but I don't, I just don't think they care. I, I don't think they care if they win 62 games or they win 54 games. Uh, you know, I, I think you, it's still important to be in that top four. I think you still want home court advantage. Um, and obviously you'd prefer to be the one or the two seed, but you know, being healthy, being ready, 
for the NBA finals and for that run to me is, is something that has taken priority for most of these teams over winning regular season games. And I, the NBA is trying different things. You know, we'll see if the play-in tournament does anything. There's this you know new regulation about resting multiple star players on the same nights. Like I'm not, I'm not really convinced that that's going to change any of those patterns. I, I really don't think so either. My my dad was asking me about the play-in tournament. He's like, so what is that? And I'm like, uh, well, you know, the, there's really only one game that's going to be different than all the other ones, and it's going to be in Vegas. Um, yeah, I don't think it's going to affect that much. And like you said, I mean, it's not even just like in a vacuum trying to save your guys for the regular season. It's like, this is a cumulative effect too. It's like, if you're the Bucs or the Celtics or any of these other teams and you're going to the conference finals every year for two, three, four, five years, yeah. it's like those extra games, those 10 to 20 extra games every year, they start to add up. So it's like, right. then you're even greater risk of resting. Yeah, you said it perfectly. And I, I'm with you on the play-in tournament. I'm open to it. I never thought it was necessary. I will, I will watch it. We'll track it. I'm excited to see what the reception is. I will be shocked if any of my friends who are not huge NBA fans are like dialed in on the in-season tournament. You know, it's like, oh, the guy that just signed the $305 million contract, he can get more money if they win these like randomly chosen regular season games. Like that sounds fantastic. Like there has to be, there has to be something more on the line. I, I, I'm interested to see how the NBA tries to force the players specifically to care about this other than the monetary stuff. Like it's enough money that I think for a lot of guys on the roster, like that, that is a big deal. Maybe not for Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, but right. uh, for for like Luke Cornett, yeah, you you want your share of the play-in tournament money. But I, I just I, I I don't really see teams taking it as seriously as the NBA hopes. But we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I, I, I don't. I, honestly, I don't. I don't have more of a take than that. It's just like. It's such a bizarre thing. No, 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 you're good. I, I think that is the international symbol for all right, let's 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 be done talking about the play-in tournament. <laughs> uh did, do you have anything else from Celtic Sixers? No Embiid, of course, uh on the Philly side, no James Harden. Um, you know, I I saw you know Jaden Springer, uh, yeah, who was I think in his second or third year. It looked pretty good at a, a really nice block at the rim on Jason Tatum. Uh, you know, somebody that depending on what happens with Harden, obviously you're not relying on Jaden Springer to to be any sort of main piece, but somebody who yeah, I think they were relatively high on coming out of Tennessee a few years ago. Could it could at least be a piece uh, at the end of this rotation? Yeah, Springer's been good in the G League. Um, he's kind of like the new Paul Reed, who Paul Reed might be um, in the rotation a little bit more um, this season. Nick Nurse has kind of hinted at that, um, but I don't. Uh, I didn't see like a ton from him. I mean, he went one for eight in this yeah. game. So, um, but yeah, that, honestly, when you asked me, it was Springer who stood out to me the most, mm -hmm. like watching the game because. Everybody else is kind of doing their own thing. Of course, Pritchard uh, absolutely goes off. The Celtics fans losing their minds. But uh, it really was Springer from the from the Philly side who it's like, okay, this guy could might be able to be in the rotation a little bit, especially since P.J. Tucker um, not getting any younger. And it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, he suffers an injury or they're like, you can only handle 25 minutes a game now, opens up some minutes. And Oubre, Oubre too. Yeah. Kind of forgot Kelly Oubre's on the Sixers, but that was a actually kind of a kind of a low key nice pickup. Like he's he's played was, well yeah. these last few years. It's like the efficiency is always going to be an issue. There's going to be a lot of off nights, but um, I, I think for a team that is kind of needs, you know, you, you kind of need like contingency plans, I guess, to just like find ways to score if you don't have James Harden. Uh, I, actually, I actually like that pickup as kind of a late summer ad. Uh, let's go Bulls Bucks. This is the one I saw the most of. Uh, no Giannis, no Damian Lillard uh, for Milwaukee. They started Lopez, Portis, Crowder. Malik Beasley and Lindell Wigington uh, at, at guard. Um, 
The Bulls used 15 players off the bench alone in this game. 20 players <laughs> saw action for the Bulls, and 20 players played at least five minutes. So this was this was like full-on NFL, like third week of the preseason. Yeah. Uh, not a ton of takeaways for me on the Chicago side. Uh, but I, I think Milwaukee Milwaukee's rotation is very interesting all of a sudden coming out of the Lillard trade. Uh, yeah, I've been I've been pretty high on Marion Bochamp. You know, we, we saw some of him last year. He was starting at times early in the year, kind of fell out of the rotation as the year went along. Obviously, they get rid of Grayson Allen in the Lillard trade. You get rid of Drew Holiday, uh, but they did bring in Malik Beasley. I think we expect Pat Connaughton to be in the mix for a potential starting spot as well. Uh, you know, the implication, I think, coming out of the preseason game, you know, hearing what the Bucks coaching staff had to say, they're pretty high on Malik Beasley, or at least we'll be expecting Malik Beasley uh, to provide a lot, especially on defense. Uh, for this team, which I'm not sure how that's going to go. Yeah, I will say, I will say on the bull side, first of all, it's interesting that Kobe White started, played 23 yeah. minutes, had a great game, 14 points, six assists. I know a lot of people in fantasy in the fantasy community were like, well, they like Javon Carter or is it, and then I'm now all of a sudden Kobe White's the guy. So just yeah. keep an eye on that. Um, but for the bucks, yeah, Malik Beasley. I mean, he, what did he average like 18 points a game a few years ago with the with the Timberwolves? I mean, he he will absolutely launch from three. Took seven threes in 22 minutes um, in this game. I I mean, he, that's just who he is. He's standing out there hitting threes, and that's all you really need him to do because you also, I mean, if you're starting Lillard, Giannis, Middleton, Lopez, that's plenty of scoring. All you need is some other role guy to come out there and do something. I also thought Congleton was pretty good in this game. I feel like he might end up handling the ball. Uh, a little bit more than in years past. Uh, maybe they walk him off the bench for that. Uh, campaign didn't play in this game, but I think Campaign is is also going to play a pretty significant role for this yeah. Bucks team, team, where they hope he can. Yeah, Campaign, Malik Beasley. I mean, as as you know, kind of mid to late summer, low cost additions I thought were pretty good. Uh, you know, Malik Beasley's stock felt like hit an all time low. In, yeah. in that Lakers playoff run where he was shooting like 25% from three was basically out of the rotation by the time they got to the West finals. So I, I think a lot of teams kind of crossed him off, left him for dead. But I, I think, you know, when you're Milwaukee, you don't, you don't get your pick of the litter when it comes to filling out your roster. You know, we see this with all these teams that go all in. So I, I think bringing in someone who's at least fairly proven in Beasley and he's 26, right? It's not like he's 33 years old, uh, as you alluded to, I mean, had basically a kind of combined across two seasons run with Minnesota where he was averaging 20 a game, taking eight and a half threes, hitting about 41% of them. Uh, should be in a pretty good situation, you know, as a very clear fifth option, catch and shoot. Uh, the Bucks needed somebody like that, right? They've, I feel like they've been trying to fill that, you know, Kyle Korver vacancy for the last couple of years. And, and having somebody who, at least in theory, profiles uh, as a knockdown shooter, I think that makes a lot of sense. How much time is going to be available for Marion Bochamp? You know, we, we've heard great things about him over the summer. You know, he's, he's close with Giannis. Um, you know, somebody who has connections in kind of the Pacific Northwest as well. A lot of positive reports about just how his game is developing. But, you know, as you as you mentioned, campaign, uh, you know, Malik Beasley, Pat Connaughton, those guys are all going to have major roles. Like, I, I, I'm very hopeful that Marianne Bochamp can kind of be kind of be what, the, what Jordan Poole was like to the Warriors you know, to kind of reinvigorate like the, the second edition of this run. But is there going to be enough time for him available to actually prove that? I... I am not so sure that there will be. I mean, you know, we we make our preseason projections. You 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 are participating a huge part of that. We also update like, you know, we have to project minutes for everybody in the league in terms of there are 240 minutes per team per game available, and we have to say who's going to fill those out. And when I sort of did that calculation for the Bucks, it's like I found I found like 12 minutes for him. You know, and some of this there it's some of it's dependent on everybody else. But it's like, this also only includes 23 minutes for Beasley. 
and 23 minutes for Congaton and 18 minutes for Crowder. And so I think there are going to be some nights where Bochamp, you know, he gets hot. He's a very good defender. He's a high energy guy and he's going to bring it. He's going to play 25, 26 minutes on some nights. Crowder might get rest, but I, if we're talking fantasy, I just, unless you're in like an 18 team league, I wouldn't even consider it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I guess I was talking more real life. Like, no, Bochamp okay, and yeah. fantasy, no, I, I'm not somebody worth drafting in just about any league. Uh, you know, maybe if you're in a, a really deep competitive format, uh, I think there's some some intrigue in, in stashing him if you can. But I mean, even in those leagues, you're you're probably not drafting him and you're grabbing him later on. I mean, he he probably needs an injury, and maybe that happens. You know, at some point, you know, Connaughton and or Payne and or Beasley will will likely be injured, uh, and that'll be his time. But uh, still impressive with what we saw from him yesterday. I mean, I think you kind of forget how how athletic he is, how big he is. Like, I mean, he's technically listed as a forward. I feel like I still think of him as like a shooting guard first and foremost, but got to the line eight times in 28 minutes, 18 points, nine rebounds, three assists uh, for Bochamp in yesterday's win over the Bulls. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Let's talk Phoenix, Detroit. Overtime yeah. in the preseason. Suns win this game at OT, 130 to 126. As we mentioned, you know, Durant, Beal, Booker come out blazing. I think they were nine of 12 shooting combined in the first quarter. All three of those guys look fantastic. Did a lot of their work in the mid range. Uh, you know, Beal's rocking a headband, Booker's rocking a headband. Everything looks <laughs> cool. Uh, but the big takeaway for me on the Detroit side of things, Jaden Ivey coming off the bench. Uh, the Pistons start Cunningham, Burks. Uh, Asar Thompson, Isaiah Stewart, Jalen Duran. Yeah, I think so. It was basically Bojan Bogdanovich missing from this game, yes. um, who in theory could be the starter, and they replace him 
with Alec Burks. Um, yeah, no Monte Morris either. I, I don't know if he's actually in contention to start, but you know, somebody that's going to play real minutes. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm honestly the Monte Morris thing is I'm more worried about Killian Hayes. Um, who, who had some nice moments in this game? He had five steals, uh, which is pretty good. But yeah. to your to your point, the, before we get too lost in the weeds, Jake and Ivy coming off the bench. I think some people are going to panic maybe about that, but I don't think they necessarily need him in the starting lineup. I mean, Cunningham no. is going to control a lot of that offense. Um, even even Asar Thompson um, can control the offense. He's great grabbing and going and on the fast break. And I think having Ivy off the bench as a spark plug is a good idea. And the to me, chances are he'll still play 30 minutes a game. And he might yeah. run that bench unit, so his usage, I don't think, will be affected too drastically. Yeah, they're in this situation where they have like almost too many recent high draft picks that in some ways don't really complement each other. And it seems a little counterintuitive because Jaden Ivey had so many good moments last year. But then you forget, oh, yeah, Kate Cunningham wasn't there. He was just kind of running loose the whole season. I, I think it makes sense, uh, you know, especially because I think we need to wait and see where Kate Cunningham is at as a shooter. And, you know, Jaden Ivey, as of right now, like he actually shot the ball better than I thought he would as a rookie, but not somebody that you'd consider anywhere close to a knockdown shooter. And we're also expecting Asar Thompson to be, what, 30% from three at best. So I, th I think that's where the calculation has to be made, right? It's like you have Isaiah Stewart, who can shoot threes. Uh, he did go one of six last night, but he's, he's a better three-point shooter, I think, than you'd expect. Jalen Byrne, not a floor spacer at all at this point. Um, and if you have Cade Cunningham handling the ball a ton, it's like, I, I don't think you want, you basically don't want three non-shooters on the court. Right. And the, the Pistons are actually, there's a couple of teams around the NBA whose rotations are really difficult to figure out despite the team not being good. Um, yeah. Like Pistons are really difficult to like, who, like how much is Bojan going to play? How much, how much is Isaiah Stewart going to play? Is like Joe Harris 26 minutes a game? Is he 18 minutes a game? Is Killian Hayes five minutes a game? It does, is Burks in the rotation? Like there are so many questions and those questions really did not get answered in this game, uh, partially because they were dealing with guys who were out, uh, stuff like that. Like Jalen Duran only plays 25 minutes. And honestly, to me, it seems like the, you know, the main issue for them right now uh, for Monty Williams is like trying to figure out if they want Marvin Bagley or James Wiseman to be the backup center. Cause apparently only one of those guys is going to do that. Yeah. And you know, Monty Williams was pretty clear about that. I think it was last week saying that, yeah, those, those guys are competing for the second job behind Duran, and they're not all going to be in the rotation, which makes sense. Um, I mean, you, you read off a lot of the names here, but yeah, I kind of forgot about Joe Harris. Uh, like I would, I would hope that there's some, some condensing at some point, you know, Harris, Bogdanovich, Monty Morris, like these are all guys that I think would probably be better in a different situation. And there will be plenty of teams that are looking to trade for them. So I, I don't think Detroit necessarily carries this entire roster through the season. But yeah, early on, it's going to be really frustrating. Like you mentioned Joe Harris. You could tell me he's not even in the rotation to begin the year. You could tell me he's playing 32 minutes like Bogdanovich was last year. Like I have no idea whatsoever. Uh, still a lot of exciting talent though. Uh, like where are you at on, on the Thompson twins for fantasy? Like I, I think, I think in points leagues, like these guys are going to be pretty good right away. Like we, we saw it briefly in summer league. You know, we certainly, we saw it in, in overtime elite, which who knows what that really means. Uh, and then yesterday, you know, Asar Thompson plays 39 minutes by far the most of any player in this game. 12 points, 10 rebounds, six assists. Yeah, he was he was a bit of a, a mixed bag, but you know, like hit a couple of defensive possessions, Booker like really bullied him. And then there was another possession yeah. where he tried to bully him and Thompson just swatted the absolute hell out of a shot that Booker was trying to kick off. So yeah. it's like I think he's I think at first there's going to be some up and downs for Thompson, but like you mentioned, 
Um, I think he's going to be great in points leagues just because he can stuff the stat sheet. I'm I'm also interested in category leagues because both him and his brother project really well as defenders. You know, if they average a steal and a block or a steal and a block and a half, of, uh, a, a block and a half, like that would not surprise me at all. They could be like Josh Smith types on defense a little bit. Yeah. Um, and that can be really valuable. So they have to be drafted. I, yeah. I'm not sure I would draft them before pick 100, but I think any time after pick 100, you like definitely fire away. I think I'm pretty much ready to wave the white flag on Wiseman. Like, are, are you, are you yeah. considering like grabbing him with the last <laughs> pick in a draft or is, does it feel like it's no. over? Uh, absolutely not. He looked bad in this, in this game, just completely like not, it's not just that he looked bad. He wasn't really even a presence. Like, He's massive and he's just not really doing anything out there. You know, Bagley played way better, obviously. Yeah. Hot shooting, you know, that's some of it. But well, that's what he does. I'm, yeah, right. Um, no, I'm I'm out on Wiseman completely. Yeah, it, it feels like. I mean, I want to say like if you can't get it together in Detroit as, on like this rebuilding team, like where can you? But he's also put in a weird situation where it's like, all right, he is. Now's your time to rehab your value. We also have six other centers who need <laughs> to play. Yeah. Yeah, it's not. It's it would be better if he was in like Washington, where the only other center they have worth playing is Daniel Gafford. Yeah, yeah. I think he's like he's like three to one to play for Washington at some point this year. Uh, all right, real quickly on the Phoenix side of things, not a lot of statistical takeaways, but uh, starting lineup: Nurkic, Durant, Beal, Booker, Akogi. Do do they open with that? I, I think to me that makes the most sense. You kind of need that Akogi uh, presence in there. You know, it could be him on some nights. You know, it could be Kata Bates Jop on other nights, but. To me, it's it's a little too redundant to throw Grayson Allen or Eric Gordon in there. Yeah, I think all you need is a defender in that spot, just a complete hustle role defender guy. So I yeah. think I think that will be their opening spot. I also thought Nurkic looked really good. I think he makes a lot of sense for their team in terms of yeah. he's willing to be like a hub. He he's a, like a handoff screen guy, sets these monster screens, um, 100% ready to do the dirty work. I'm not really adjusting my like fantasy ranking of him. I don't really think no. his value. I mean, honestly, his value might have went down, even if he is a better fit. But um, yeah, I think this is how they'll start their starting five. Yeah, I go slight downgrade for Nurk, but I mean, he's just he's missed so much time the last few years that it's it's hard to even like talk about his fantasy value seriously. But um, you know, maybe maybe going to a, a you know less pressure situation where you're the fourth fifth option. I don't know if that that leads to less strain. I, I'm trying to talk myself into drafting, right. but I, I don't think I will be doing that. I've been burned one too many times. Uh, all right, a few more games. Pacers-Grizzlies. This was another overtime game, 127-122 in favor of Memphis. Uh, we saw Derrick Rose in the starting lineup for the Grizzlies. Yeah. We saw TJ McConnell in the starting lineup for the Pacers. No Tyrese Halliburton on the Indiana side. Uh, of course, no John Morant, no Marcus Smart uh, for the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, any any key takeaways here? Uh, well, Jairus Walker had a fantastic game. Um Really encouraging. They started Obi Toppin. Toppin didn't play that well. Walker was great. Um, ben Matherin, amazing performance. Um, uh, he just he just when he when he's going to the basket, the the sort of contortions that he makes around the rim, his ability to get fouled, even though he got two free throws. Someone I'm definitely targeting in the late in the late rounds of fantasy. Um, on the on the Grizzly side, I mean, Desmond Bain handled the ball a ton, looked really good. Um, other than that, you know, I just I'm so confused by Memphis's bench. I just don't know like who is it going to be like Lofton and Roddy and Laravia and Conchar is like that. Is that what they're doing? Because I don't <laughs> do they even have any other players. Like, I mean, those are the guys they've drafted, right? Like, 
I, it, it's a fair question. Uh, you know, Zyre Williams, former lottery pick, is still hanging out on this roster. Uh, you know, we, we saw a decent amount of all those guys at times last year. You know, Aldama yeah, had, the, had the big start to the year, was in the yeah. rotation. Roddy, I, I, liked, I thought Roddy looked better, um, you know, two years ago than, than he did. Or no, he was a rookie last year. Excuse me. I was I forget who I was thinking of there. But and he, he has, has it up and downs. I mean, he's like a six foot four power forward, I feel like, who can handle it a little bit. But yeah, there's not a lot of depth here. Uh, obviously, they're going to be without Morant for for 25 games. So I think Derrick Rose is going to play. I don't think he's going to start, but yeah. we're going to see a lot of him. We're going to see a lot of Chanchar. Um, you know, at some point, I, I think they want to try to rehab the value of Zaire Williams, whether that means keeping him around or eventually, you know, trying to flip him somewhere. Like he has almost no value, and then you know, Luke Kennard's still hanging out as well. Uh, is is this kind of a an overall question on like, are, are we sure Memphis is going to be good? Um, no, I'm, I'm legitimately worried about like them not being, uh, very good this year. I mean, that I, to me, that shouldn't surprise anybody given, you know, Morant being out for a third of the season and how little of a bench they have. Um, like I, you know, we didn't see Marcus smart in this game either. He's good, but he's now like definitively their third option. Um, and like, they're going to scrape together wins just because they play like that. They're they're an offensive rebounding team. They minimize the turnovers. Like they play a little Spursian in that way, yeah. um, where they kind of do all the little things. But uh, to me, I, so I don't think they're going to be good. But from a fantasy perspective, like this is all the more reason to target target Triple J and Desmond Bain to me because I think there's going to be a lot of nights where it's yeah. like those are the only two guys doing anything whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think Jaron Jackson is going where he should in most drafts. Like you're not necessarily going to yeah. get a great value on him. Although I know like in, in ESPN and CBS, he's like, you know, early forties. I think I would jump ADP on him. Like that first third of the year, I think he could be a monster. You always see, it feels like you always see like a, a short-term jump after someone comes back from team USA. Uh, so I, I think that only plays positively for him. Same with Desmond Bain. And, you know, I, I've been doing a, a lot of mocks and best balls lately. I keep coming back to Steven Adams as a late round pick. Like okay. I, I just want the rebounds. I, I know what I'm getting into. Uh, I know what I'm signing up for probably like 28% at the line, whatever. Um, but you know, you missed so much time at the end of last year. You, you forget just, you know, how many of those huge rebound nights. So, you know, especially if you're in a category league and you can, you can mitigate some of the other issues. Like he's not a high volume shooter. He's not a high volume free throw shooter. Um, somebody that I, I think kind of became forgotten at the end of last year, uh, as far as a, a single category guy. I think he's a little build dependent, but if you're in a cat, if you're playing a category league and you're doing like a rebound, like a big man build, like a rebounds build, like absolutely you yeah. draft him at the end of your drafts. It's, it's fine. Last thing on Indiana, um, we mentioned Matherin getting the start over Buddy Heald. Uh, obviously that was kind of the opposite last year. They go Turner, uh, Obi Toppin, Bruce Brown, Matherin and McConnell here. Obviously you would expect Tyrese Halliburton uh, to, to, to grab that McConnell spot, but is it going to be Matherin over healed? Uh, are those interchangeable? I think it is Matherin over healed. The, the way the contract negotiation slash failure to extend those talks, I think the way it probably played out was buddy. Heald thinks he's a starter. Indiana does not think he's a starter and they yeah. are going to try to trade him now. I think it's just that simple. Like, and I, I would get the idea of bringing Matherin off the bench because he's like a spark plug guy. But right. at some point, it's like he is—he's very good. So there's only so long you can play that game. Yeah, yeah, you're you're right. I, I think we see we see heel traded probably not before opening night, but uh, I would say before the deadline. Um, you know, like usually if, when it gets to this point, especially on a, I, I wouldn't say a, you know a bad team, but a middling team like Indiana, um, you know, I, I think teams will be calling that buddy healed. Kings Raptors. Uh, this was a, a one one twelve ninety nine win. 
for the Toronto Raptors. Uh, saw most of the regulars on both sides here. Um, pretty much all the regulars, unless somebody's evading me here. Uh, but, you know, pretty limited minutes for most of the starters. Uh, OG Ananobi looked good. Scotty Barnes looked good for the most part. Uh, kind of a rough night from the field for De'Aaron Fox, but no real concerns there. Um, you know, we, we're getting, I guess, a new look at the the post-Fred Van Vliet Toronto Raptors, which included Dennis Schroeder starting at point guard. But, I, I mean, by default, right? I, I don't know who else it would be. Malachi Flynn? Uh, I don't think they're going to do that. I mean, I, I think their only other route is to start Scott, uh, Scotty Barnes at center and then do like yeah. a Gary Trent thing at, at shooting guard, um, which maybe they'll experiment a little bit throughout the year with with certain lineups. But yeah, Schroeder gets a start, plays pretty well. Six points, five rebounds, five assists. Um, someone I am, I would say, lightly targeting at the end of drafts. Like if he's there for me in the in the last round or the second to last round, it's like, <clears throat> sure. Um, yeah. And uh, everybody else, Barn, you mentioned Scotty Barnes look really good. I just, I like a lot of these guys on Toronto, partially because of, like I said, with um, uh, Memphis, I their bench is awful. So these starters, you know, Nick Nurse isn't there anymore. And he was running those guys into the ground, playing them 40 minutes a game. But it's like, what other options do they have if they want to still be yeah. good? Like if they want to be competitive. So I still think these, these starters are going to be heavy minutes, guys. Yeah. I think you're right on Schroeder. I mean, you forget he he has four top 100 fantasy seasons, both per game and total value in his career. And you know, the, the most recent of those was with the Lakers in, in 2021, which was not not that long ago. Uh, so I, I think there is some like vague, you know, top 100, top 110 upside with him. Uh, certainly not somebody who is all that interested in deferring. I think they're going to ask him to defer, but he's also going to get his. Uh, so as long as he stays healthy, I think the minutes will absolutely be there. They do not. They do not have a ton of true point guard depth. Like they, they have some young guards, but you know, Grady Dick is more of a, a two, three, you know, Gary Trent, pretty much a, a, a shooting guard only. Um, so unless they bring somebody in, there's not a lot of depth there behind Schroeder. Uh, last note here, 29 turnovers for the Raptors. That's a lot. <laughs> That's a lot. And like, it's, it's not like some, you know, random dude who's not going to make the roster had most of those. Like everybody was chipping in. Everybody had multiple turnovers. Gary Trent with five turnovers. That's uh, I think he, I think he literally, I think he literally averaged 0.8 turnovers last year. I was looking at his stats for some reason, and it's like, my God. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a new offense. You got new guys coming in, so I, I won't be surprised if they're if they're sloppy to start the year. Still, that's a lot of turnovers, uh, especially <laughs> yeah, in a 13-point in a win. Hey, they won. <laughs> they won. What do you want from them? <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the new turnover rate offense uh, in Toronto. Yeah. Uh, all right, Jazz Clippers. Um, I, I promise, by the way, we won't just be like reading through preseason box scores every week, but because it's the first weekend and because we're getting a new look at a lot of these lineups, we do want to dig in on uh, the teams that we have seen. Uh, saw most of the regulars here as well. Kawhi Leonard playing in the preseason. Paul George playing in the preseason. Bones Highland got the start at point guard. No Russell Westbrook for the Clippers. Uh, they also held out Nick Batum and Marcus Morris Sr. But we saw pretty much all the regulars on the Utah side. They start Walker Kessler. Laurie Markkinen, John Collins, Taylor Horton Tucker, and Colin Sexton. Uh, I will say that Bones Highland really was, as the kids say, doing the most out there. Uh, mm. There was a lot of possessions where it's like it's it's Bones time. Um, so we'll <laughs> I don't know what his role in the rotation is going to be. Just they have a lot of guards. You got Man and, and Westbrook in there, but um, yeah, the more interesting side to me, like you mentioned, is the Jazz. Who the Taylor Horton Tucker start? Consider me intrigued because uh, the end of last season, okay. he played pretty well. He's not going to get that kind of usage, <laughs> right? Um, but I, starting him over Abaji is interesting because to me, Abaji is more a guy you would want in there or you could start even Clarkson in there. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we had that debate earlier in the year, but I, Horton Tucker, I think, should be climbing up draft boards a little bit. Sexton didn't look that good at all. Five turnovers, four assists, three points. John Collins really didn't do that much. Five points, four rebounds. Um, Chris Dunn had a very nice 16 minutes. So their rotation is kind of still up in the air. Like, they have a lot of guards. I'm not sure how that's going to work out. I'm a little worried to draft any of them, but they're all decent flyers, I think, at the end of drafts. Yeah, I've been taking a lot of flyers on Sexton. Uh, he didn't yeah. look great in this game, but you know, somebody who yeah, has a proven track record of being a 20-plus points per game guy. Uh, encouraging to see Collins and Markkinen start together. I had worried a little bit about that. I, I don't know that that's going to be fully locked in every night. Obviously, Markkinen's spot is safe, but uh, we've kind of been through this with, with John Collins in Atlanta. Uh, so change of scenery, I think, was necessary, and I'm, I'm pretty optimistic on what he could be. Like His ADP on some sites is still outside the top 100, which, yeah. which I get. Uh, you know, but I also think he could be like kind of a co number two option in Utah. And I don't look at Markinen as like a, you know, James Harden, Luka Doncic level number one, where it's like, I am so clearly number one. Everybody else is kind of fending for scraps. Like I, I, I'm pretty optimistic on what John Collins could be. I mean, it was not that long ago that we were talking about him as like a top 30, 40 fantasy guy. And he just, just fell out of favor on a weird Atlanta roster. Uh, but there are some names on this jazz team that are, that are fun, you know, uh, you mentioned Jordan Clarkson. He was having a pretty good year last year until they pulled back on his workload at the end. You know, Kelly Olynyk feels like everywhere he goes, he ends up being productive. Chris Dunn is back for more. I had no idea. Yeah. Uh, he's, like every year he signs on with the team and then is like quietly released, but he's back seven for seven from the field last night. You mentioned Abaji and then Keontae George, uh, their first round pick out of Baylor this past season. Uh, you know, kind of another raw, you know, actually some similarities uh, in a lot of ways to Taylor Horton Tucker. Raw, toolsy, athletic. Uh, but we'll see how much he plays, how much time he spends in the G League. Uh, but I think a lot of this, you know, ultimately depends on on you know where Utah's season goes, right? Like if they, I, I don't think they're going to get off to the kind of start they did last season. But it took them a while to you know transition into the type of roster and the type of rotation we thought they would be. Um, so I'm very interested to see, you know, how many minutes do Akbaji and, and someone like Taylor Hendricks get? Yeah, some. You know, when we're talking fantasy, like some teams are a lot better to target for high floor guys at the at the beginnings of drafts. Like we mentioned, the Raptors, some other teams with short rotations. Other teams are better to where once pick 100 comes along and you're taking flyers on guys. It's like you could just fire away on three guys from the same team. Um, like if you if the end of your draft after pick 100, you pick John Collins, Colin Sexton and Taylor Horton Tucker. I'd be like, sure, go ahead. Why not? Um, so I think I think the Jazz are one of those teams. Uh, we have breaking news, Alex. Kai Jones has just tweeted that he's requesting a trade from the Charlotte Hornets. <laughs> uh, for, I don't know if this is this the first time a player has explicitly stated that via tweet. Um, no, but know, are we counting is, the Bledsoe? Uh, yeah, I, I, we might have to count the Bledsoe. Um, uh, look, I think this was trending. Let's put it that way, based on his his social media presence lately. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, reading through his timeline as we speak, and. Um, yeah, I'm not, not loving what we're seeing there. So uh, I, I think those two were, were kind of cruising for a divorce either way. Uh, all right, that brings us to, to the end of the preseason action from yesterday. We got a few more games tonight. We'll recap those throughout the week. But Alex, you are working on a, a polarizing players piece uh, that'll be up on Rotowire. That'll be up on, on some of our partner sites as well. Uh, so tell the listeners like kind of how you went about deciding like what, what constitutes a polarizing player when it comes to fantasy basketball drafts. Yeah, I think I think the most basic way to uh, classify someone as polarizing is like the earliest they would be drafted 
in a fantasy league versus the latest they would be drafted in a fantasy league. Um, and it's a, it, you know, we'll, we'll continue to uh, pump this up throughout preseason, but the NFBKC that you and I are a part of, they post their ADP data and they actually post minimum pick versus maximum pick in fantasy drafts um, of which those drafts have just started. There have only been 13, uh, but that's enough data. And so, um, you know, there's, it's interesting because there are some players that the public might view as polarizing um, that I don't like, for example, like, you know, Carl Anthony Towns um, on NFBKC has been picked as early as 11 and as late as 35. To me, I'm like, just pick him at 25. Like, <laughs> to me, it's not even a question. I'm like, it's not polarizing yeah. at all. He's really good. Just pick him there because he's probably going to be available. Um, but I think, I think the, the sort of uh, three main things that would, that I am looking for in terms of polarization would just be general team confusion as number one. This includes like the Portland Trailblazers, um, to some extent, like the Boston Celtics, like what the role is going to be. Number two would just be like general role. Like, is this guy going to play 26 minutes? Is he going to play 32 minutes? And then the third one, which it's fair, but it's just, it's kind of a, it's just injuries. Like mm -hmm. Zion, Porzingis, you know, they're polarizing because if they play 70 and you get them at pick 55, it's like you, you might win your league. But if you draft them at, you know, uh, 40 and they play 30 games, you're just done. Mm -hmm. um, so those are kind of the overarching themes that, that I'm going to use for the article. I think that's a good way to look at it. Uh, I love using those NFBKC tools. They have the same thing for their fantasy football drafts as well. Uh, I, I do. The, the only thing with that is like, it, it depends you know, what number of drafts or like what sample you're looking at, because like if you isolate ADP data for a week and there's 20 drafts, you know, all, obviously all it takes is one psycho to, to draft Julius <laughs> yeah. Randall 14th overall. And that becomes yeah. his min pick. Like I would almost like to see more of like an average of like the 10 lowest picks and the 10 highest picks. Uh, yeah. Uh, because there's always, you know, it's like if Julius Randall is doing his own draft and he takes himself there, um, you know, that that's kind of one that could skew it. But he is somebody who jumped out. You know, there's a 50 pick difference between his min at 14 and his max at 64. Uh, obviously, the minimum is not really representative of, of, you know, where he's going in most leagues. But he's a really interesting case because it feels like he's kind of gone like off year, on year, off year, on year uh, the last few seasons. And like certain categories are great one year and then his three point percentage will plummet the next year. Uh, are, are you kind of back in on Julius Randle or what, what was your thought on him coming out of last season? I mean, I'm I'm back in on him in the sense that at his current ADP of like 46, I'm completely fine drafting him there. I mean, I don't think his role this season is going to change. Let's put it that way. Um, he's kind of been, you know, throughout his time in, in New York, he's been between 85 and 26. And some of that's just depending on do his shots hit. But when you look at the Knicks team, he's still going to be their number two option, basically behind Jalen Brunson. RJ Barrett coming up number three. To me, I just have more questions. If we're talking New York, I just have more questions about the guard rotation. Um, you know, their guard rotation is so heavy. Uh, the, the two guys I mentioned, Brunson and Barrett, you have Grimes, DiVincenzo, Quickly, Josh Hart, McBride looked good at some points. Um, so it's Randall is not a guy to me who is confusing. I think he's completely mm -hmm. fine to take at his ADP. How about Rudy Gobert? 33 pick difference between his min pick at 47 which I, I'm surprised it's not lower, and his max pick at 80. I know everybody like hates Rudy Gobert. He's never been a popular player. Uh, I think there were there were some that were you know preying on his downfall in Minnesota, and in some ways got that last year. I like I'm not a Gobert fan necessarily. Like I, I don't want 
I want to be very clear as I stare into the camera. <laughs> I'm not like a, a Rudy Gobert defender, but like last year was the absolute worst case for fantasy, right? Like he's been super healthy as far as big men go. Maybe at some point that reverses, you know, as he gets into his thirties, like, I guess you could, you can make that case for anybody, but can it really be worse than last year when he, he was still what, like, like low fifties, I think in fantasy, like 55th or something like that. Um, and like now he's going in the eighties in some drafts. Like, come on. I, I, I think there has to be a rebound here. Literally. Yeah, maybe there there's a there's a window for an article about like draft these players everybody hates to have an elite fantasy yes. squad. <laughs> um like a Jordan Poole, Rudy Gobert kind of draft. Draymond. Draymond. Yeah. Um it yes, he, he he ranked 64 in eight cap per game last year. And I'm with you. It's just like I don't I don't see him getting that much worse. Like I he he's stealing rebounds from Cat. Cat's not really stealing more rebounds from him. I just I don't know. Like he averaged 1.4 blocks per game last season. Is Gobert really going to average one block this year only? You know, is he going to be below 11 rebounds? Maybe. I I, I doubt it. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I would draft him as high as 49, 47 was his min pick. But if I got him at 80, I would feel amazing about that. I mean, 80 is where people are taking just complete, absolute flyers on guys. Um, right. You know, like, so it's just, um, I, it's, that's how I feel about him. Like it was a bad season for him, but he's also been one of the best fantasy centers for the last decade. So like, it, I feel like it yeah. felt worse than it was. Like, I, I, I think I, I don't remember if I had him in, um, my NFBC league or if it was like a, a high dollar buy for me in the, in the stake auction. Um, but I, I got stuck with him and I kind of got burned on that one. But at the same time, I, it, you know, I didn't look back and be like, man, I, I'm such an idiot. I should have seen this coming. It's. You know, I, I think the rebounds are what I worry about most. Like, I just playing alongside Towns, um, and you know, they have some other good rebounders on that team, like Anthony Edwards for a guard, good rebounder. Um, like, I don't know if he ever gets back to being like 14 and a half boards per game, so he's going to lose some value there. But the shot blocking to me, like, he was a like easy, what at worst, like 2.2, 2.3 blocks per game for like eight straight years, and then it drops down to 1.4. Um, I, the reason you have Rudy Gobert is to block shots, to stand in the lane and and, and defend the rim. Like, I I think that's the absolute baseline. Like I would be very surprised if he's well under two blocks a game again this year. Yeah. And he, he's been relatively healthy for, for a big man. Um, oh, yeah. You know, he's 31 now, but uh, yeah, again, I mean, I, if I, if I got him at 80, I would feel like, Oh, this is a steal. Yeah. Yeah. No question about that. Um, let's see who, who else is polarizing here as I, I scan through this list. I mean, a lot of the a lot of the names who have the biggest gap between min and max, like you mentioned, are injuries. You know, Porzingis, LeBron, players like that. Um, like, I just I don't really have like a lot to say about that. It's like it, it's an eye of the beholder thing. Like, I, I think this this discussion kind of starts with Kevin Durant for me. Like, I personally don't yeah. love taking Kevin Durant inside the top seven or eight. I get it. If he's healthy, he's basically a lock to be a top five player per game. But what's the incentive, even if he stays fully healthy, for Kevin Durant to play more than? 70 games and he's probably going to miss 15 to 20 at some point with a leg injury. Um, yeah. Do you, do you approach Durant with that same hesitancy? I do. I do. I just don't, I don't like drafting him. Um, you know, there are on NFBKC, there are, what is this? 17 players uh, who have been picked in the top 10. Um, you know, some of, uh, Ken Shannon and I were, were we had a, a busts podcast the other day, and we were talking about guys like Anthony Davis, uh, mm -hmm. Kyrie Irving, who on Yahoo have ADPs of twelve and thirteen, respectively. 
and I don't like to take either of those guys either, but the problem is that at some point it becomes an equation of like, who, who are you picking instead that you feel like has a similar upside? And at some point there's a cutoff. And I feel like, you know, for Anthony Davis, especially it's right there. It's like, you could draft him 12, but if you don't draft him, are you drafting like Sabonis? Sabonis does not have top five upside. No, Um, No. So it's like, it depends how, how much, how, how much you want to shoot for the stars, I guess. Um, But yeah, I mean, if, if LaMelo is there, I would honestly consider like LaMelo, um, you know, at, at six or seven, yeah. I know that seems high to a lot of people, but he's actually been an excellent fantasy player and it shouldn't surprise anybody if he lands there this season. Um, it's, you know, the first round is tough this year. It's, a lot, it's kind of a minefield. It is. It's, it's a perfect mix of like some pretty safe options and then guys who have the potential to be the number two player in fantasy, but also right. could finish 45th if they miss 30 games. Yeah. It's, I, I'm, I'm finding myself like in fantasy football this year, for the most part, like I wanted, I wanted to be picking like 10, 11, 12. Like I, I didn't want to be the McCaffrey guy just because you still always worry about the injuries with him. Um, you know, I, I didn't love like tickets. A lot of people are taking Jamar chase number one. And you know, that's looking a little better now than it was the first few weeks, but uh, I, I just like the value at the end of the first round. And I, I kind of feel the opposite in fantasy basketball. Like I want Jokic. I, I want to pick third and take Jason Tatum or take Luca or take SGA because I, I, I just, I don't feel comfortable when you get into that Curry, Lillard, Durant, no. Davis tier. Um, because like you said, your, your alternatives are guys who feel who are still elite players and still, you know, have top 15 fantasy upside. But if you're picking sixth, you don't want somebody to say, all right, best case scenario, this guy finishes 17th. You know, it's like you, you want you want to at least feel like you're meeting value. And I, I think the way that the the rankings in the ADP shake out, like you're you're basically being asked to take a pretty big leap of faith and kind of knowing that at least half of those guys are going to miss significant time. So it's it, it is a bit of a minefield. It's a good way to look at it. I would also say it depends what your goal is. And I know a league like the stake league is unique where yeah, you want to win it, but you care, you care way more about just making sure you're in the top half of the league. Um, so I, I think, you know, it depends if you're, if you're playing in the NFBC and your goal is to win the overall title, then yeah, that requires some risk. You know, you, you're, you're going to have to take two or three guys that you're probably getting a slight discount on because they're injury prone and you're going to need them to stay healthy because that's, what's going to push you over the top in an overall contest. If you just want to finish in the top three or you're in an office league and you want to not embarrass yourself, then <laughs> in that case, then you probably avoid those players. Oh yeah. Like auction leagues, I, I prefer to build a balanced team. So I don't even think about first rounders. Uh, typical first or even second rounders in fantasy, unless I get what I perceive to be like a crazy discount on them. Like mm-hmm. in general, I want my best player in an auction league to be like a fourth round value, maybe, and just kind of build a team of like fourth right. through eighth rounders. Yeah. Yeah. And in that league, you don't want to be stuck starting like guys who are playing 16 minutes off the bench for a couple of weeks, which no, uh, I can tell you, I've been in that before uh, as a, as a Kawhi buyer last year. Um, I'm just looking forward to our guy, DJ trainer, who I know, you know, listens to these pods spending like $88 on Kyrie Irving, like he does every year <laughs> and usually finishes ahead of me. So, so credit to him. Um, talking a lot about, you know, auction leagues, things of that nature. If you're looking to play in best ball, underdog fantasy is the number one platform for best ball leagues, including fantasy basketball underdogs featured best ball tournament for the upcoming season has $500,000 in total prizes. If you have not tried underdog yet, New underdog users receive a first-time deposit bonus up to $100. You also get a free six-month subscription to Rotowire, which is you know, invaluable. I mean, you, could, you, could, you can't even put a price tag on that. Uh, in order to get that, you need to use the promo code RWNFL. That's promo code R. 
WNFL. You can visit underdogfantasy.com. You can download the Underdog Fantasy app. Great interface there. Uh, and make sure you use that promo code RWNFL. That'll get you the free first-time deposit bonus up to 100 bucks and the free RotoWire subscription. All right, Alex, let's talk about a couple more guys, and then we will get out of here. Um, what are you doing with Fred Van Vliet? Is, is How much, if any, of a downgrade should we be looking at uh, as he changes scenes for the first time in his NBA career? So the in the article that I'm going to write, I'm just going to have a section that just is the Rockets. Um, because I really am confused about sort of the roles of all the players, how many minutes they're going to play. My main concern about Van Vliet, and I will say Van Vliet, I think, has been underrated as a fantasy player for a long time. Like for a lot of years, he was worth a second or a third round pick, but you were getting him at like in the fourth round pretty often. Um, My main concern this year for him is that he has been, Nick Nurse was playing him 36, 37, 38 minutes a game. Is Ime Udoka going to be like, and he, Van Vliet was hurt relatively often. He's been fairly injury prone, I think, as a result of that and, and some rest days as well. And so I wonder, does he get pushed down to 32, 33 minutes a game, especially if Amen Thompson looks good? You know, how much is the ball going to be in Jalen Green's hands and Sangoon's hands? I think Van Vliet's still their number one option in terms of like he's going to handle the ball the most, he's going to run the team. I wouldn't draft him at 22 like his min pick is on NFBKC. But I would be pretty happy getting him at 38. Yeah, and that's the max pick. Um, you know, somewhere between that, I'd be okay with. You know, I wouldn't feel as great about it now as I would have the last few years, certainly. Uh, you know, I think there are some other, like, I, I think I prefer Darius Garland this year. Uh, you know, Van Vliet, yeah. Van Vliet versus De'Aaron Fox is an interesting debate. Uh, you know, he's kind of, he's going like right after Desmond Bain, uh, you know, kind of in the, the Bam Adebayo, Laurie Markkinen zone. I think I'd prefer all those guys over him just because of that uncertainty. Like, it's not... It's not to say that Van Vliet can't outproduce those guys, but it's also it's a pretty big leap to just assume that he's going to be 37, 38 minutes every night. Like that was really something that was unique to Toronto over the last few years. So I, I don't think that's a given. And it also depends on how the season goes for Houston. Like I, I think the better they are as a team, like if you think Houston's gonna be good, which I don't, but if you do, I think that I think that's good for Fred Van Vliet because I think that means that we see, you know, less of these these young guys all over the roster. Whereas if Houston is five and fifteen to start the year, I, I think there's going to be some more pressure to get Ahmed Thompson more involved. You know, to, to see more from Cam Whitmore, from Tari Eason, and you could say, yeah, maybe those guys don't, you know, directly impact Fred Van Vliet. But you know, I, I think to get Thompson, to get Jalen Green, the, like the kind of looks that you want early in their careers, like you want them spending time on the ball, and I think that you know inherently requires Fred Van Vliet to probably play fewer minutes. So I, I think he's a guy that's still going to be really good on a per game basis, but it's just, it's such a dramatic change of scenery, right? Like if anything, I view it probably as a downgrade, even though he's maybe higher in the pecking order in Houston than he was as kind of a clear number two, 2.5 in Toronto. Like it, it's such a dramatic shift from a team that's been kind of pushing for a title or at least trying to win every year to now this completely different young rebuilding team in Houston. I agree. And some of this depends also on how, um, how much you want to avoid the bottom tier teams for fear of tanking, which you kind of touched on. Like, uh, in terms of win totals from like FanDuel and DraftKings, the Rockets are predicted to be in what you would consider like the bottom tier cutoff zone, like teams below 35 wins. They're projected to be 35 and a half. And I think, honestly, if you wanted to just completely avoid that and draft zero players from the bottom six projected teams in terms of win totals, I completely understand that. Um, 
so I'm I again, you're right. I to me it's a downgrade. Um and I there are plenty of other guys I would kind of rather go in that like 28 zone. All right, man. Good stuff here. We will wrap it up. Uh we will have Steve Alexander, Dr. Ray on the mic tomorrow. I will be back with Brandon Kravitz on Wednesday. Uh, we'll have Dr. Ray and Rick Kamla posted together on Thursday. And then you will have uh, the flagship Friday pod, Alex, yourself, mm-hmm. uh, Ken Kreitz and Shannon McEwen. That'll be the lineup every week going forward. We'll have some guests, some hosts, you know, kind of shuffling in and out uh, as the year goes along. But that will be our setup Monday through Friday, uh, now through the end of at least the regular season. We'll, we'll likely throw some pods up during the postseason as well. But we will have all the fantasy news that you need. Uh, we'll talk some gambling as well. Plenty on these pods. Uh, you can hear Alex and I starting opening night on Sirius XM NBA. We'll be talking NBA gambling uh, at least four nights a week, maybe five. We don't know yet, uh, but that will start October 24th. Uh, Alex, next week, you, know, we'll, we'll, you mentioned, you know, last year we, we like to do our, our preseason predictions uh, either next week or the week after, you know, we'll get our award predictions in, we'll get our all NBA teams, uh, all-star teams, things of that nature. Uh, still plenty of futures bets to discuss as well. That'll be coming on Wednesday with Brandon Kravitz. So thank you to everybody listening live on Twitter, watching live on YouTube. Uh, You can also hear us archived wherever you get your podcasts. We'll talk to you later this week. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com